Gray Fox. Praise games. Kept you waiting, huh? Hello, friends, and welcome to Grey Fox Plays Games, the video games podcast for people. When they hear the letters PT, they shudder in fear and think about what could have been. But I'll tell you what you're going to have. You've got a podcast with an extra guest, but I'll get to that in a moment. I'm going to start with my boy, the Soul's Whisperer, Michael Carden Edwards, a.k.a. Michaelness. How are you doing, pal? The Soul's Whisperer. I'll take, I'll take that. Is it better than the Soul's Man? I don't know. Uh, no, every time I go near a Souls game, I, I sit myself and run away in fear. So you can tell me that you're the Souls Souls talker, massager. Either way, you're one up on me, sir. I'll take it, bruv. I'll take it. I'm very well, thank you. How are you? I will talk about how great I am in a moment because me and Moles have got some success on the next gen front. But speaking <laughs> of which, I'll bring him in from our Souls man to our Moles man. Producer Jonathan Moles, how you doing, pal? I'm good. Thank you very much. Yeah, very good. I'm, in the uh, engine room. In the engine room, yeah, somewhat. Nice. Well, boys and girls, we have an additional host of us today. In the industry of publishing and stuff, there's a phrase, those who do, do, and those who can't, talk about it. And this boy, not only does he does it, he's here to talk about it as well. He is a games producer. He is a game company founder. He's worked on games like Janksy, Overruled, Nothing to Fear, but most recently, just a little known, little independent title known as Battletoads, AJ Grand Scratton, aka Danos. How you doing, buddy? Very good, thank you. Very good. Nice. So anyway, that was AJ. Thanks for coming on. Uh, so, Moles, let's talk about just one thing. Before we talk about all battle toads, awesome stuff and news and everything else, we talked about this last week. The hunt for next gen has been been you know, trial and tribulations. I cried a little bit about it into soft music. You had someone send me a message saying, are you okay, love? Which is very nice to hear. But I have an update for you. Let's, let's talk about success. We landed next gen. We both got a PS5. How have you been finding it? Well, I'll just say success. you done all the hard work, mate. I've done nothing. I got a message. Do you want a PS5? I said, well, yes, please. Thank you very much. <laughs> but uh, anyway, just for, for people who have been contacting us, asking questions about the hunt for PS5, I highly recommend the PS5 update app. We will be twa- uh, tweeting about it. Also on Amazon, if you save it to your... It is true, the rumours. If you save it to your, your wish list and use it on the mobile app, when you get a notification, go straight there, buy in one click. It seems to work. It works a treat for us, uh, which is all good. But, Miles, we'll talk about how much you're loving and discovering the new world of next gen. But I want to hear about someone who works in the industry. What are you playing at the moment, AJ? Nothing next gen, because uh, my copy of Miles Morales is sitting there in the packaging because I still haven't got a PS5. Um, so, yeah, I've been trying since November, maybe early in the day, I guess since launch. So I've got I've got Miles Morales sitting there ready for me that taunts me every day under my TV. Um, so yeah, I mean, look, the joke I always make is I think I spend more time on the Game Pass store and the Switch store than I do playing the games. Um, so ninety percent of my game time is spent browsing games. Um, stuff I've been playing recently, I'm trying to enjoy some different titles. I gave that Donut County a go. Um, which is the ridiculous one where you play as a little girl in a raccoon and you've got a hole and you suck up entire cities. Um, that was a lot of fun. Uh, and then recently I just started um, Empire of Sin, the new game from the Romeros, which is kind of the you know XCOM-like beset 1920s gangster where you're trying to wow. effectively take over Chicago. And that's that's a lot of fun. That's a lot of fun. 
Okay, no, that's why we have people like you on, man, because I'd sit there and go, I really like Miles Morales. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Oh, Carlton Edwards, though, man, what, what's what's on your radar at the moment? What have you been playing? Um, well, I mean, other than playing, trying to play some Call of Duty with Mr. Moles and Mr. Woods, um, spoiler, that hasn't gone very well. Turns out that game is really, really f***ing hard. Um <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, we said this on the show the other week, right? So I put in 240 hours, thanks to that glorious email from PlayStation, 240 hours of my life last year in lockdown was spent was spent hard at work on, on Call of Duty Modern Warfare with my former housemate, Lee, because uh, there's nothing else to do, right? Turns out, right, when you play the old death matches, that game is pretty, pretty simple. When you then go and and take a stroll down Warzone Lane, it's it's pretty... Pretty difficult, yeah? Bullets come asunder from all kinds of f***ing angles. It's horrendous. Yeah, miserable, mate. Absolutely miserable. We lasted two days. That game is now deleted to, to never come back, okay? Yeah. Never yeah, come yeah. back ever we've, again. Um, we've given up on trying to beat the teenagers. They're just too good. They're too good, man. <laughs> they're, they're too good. It's like it's like when I play, uh, like if I ever play FIFA or my team, it's just like, I'll know within four seconds, oh, look, he's done 50 drag backs and a Rabona, I'm screwed. Like... I can't do it, but my thumbs don't work as well as it did when I was a kid. Um, in terms of things I have been playing elsewhere, um, I went back in time to back to my Switch, you know, the safe space. I love that little machine. And I was, I've started basically finishing off some of the things I didn't do on Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3. Um, oh, it's really pretty, it's a pretty out. cool game. It's not like, like it ain't the best game in the world, but I really enjoy it. It's just a very easy game to play. There's millions of characters. Level them up. I haven't done the... Um, the Fantastic Four DLC yet, so that's what I'm kind of working on at the moment. Try, I haven't unlocked Thanos yet either, to be fair. So there's things to do. There's loads of stuff to do on that game. I'm just cracking through that on the couch, nice and chill. Beautiful, beautiful. I've been, may, may, um, I ask, may I ask you a question? Go for it, sir. Because obviously, you know, you and Moles have got PlayStation 5s. You're the ones with the, with the, with the big, fat, beautiful white boxes of glory. What the hell have you guys been playing? Dabbled on the PlayStation collection because I was just like, okay, there's a bunch of games here which I have played to death in various times of my PS4's life, but they've all got lovely, sweet, fat, juicy PS5 updates, so I want to dive in on that. Done a bit of Crash Bandicoot because they've done a PS5 update for that, so you got the quick loading and stuff. It plays just as, well, I think it plays really well. I know some people got problems with the, the control system, but it's even smoother. One thing I will say about the ps5 mike we talked about this right at the start when we started doing this podcast i never used to be a high fidelity guy like frame rates didn't really bother me but i have seen the light like now when i'm starting to play games where i'm like oh my god this is what they're all talking about like i didn't realize this is what good performing machines do so i all of a sudden can see what you guys have been mentioning but in terms of games we've been playing uh like i say crash um, other than that mars morales um i absolutely adore those games i remember the original uh 2018 game which feels like a long time ago but it really wasn't but one thing that did catch me off guard is that they've recast or re i don't have the right, the right phrases they've replaced the peter parker in spider-man in these games because they wanted a likeness that was a little bit probably more towards tom holland and i think they just wanted that's the vision they really want to go with going forward i remember when it happened and there was a big outcry on social media saying come on man you keep the original guy in but i completely forgot about that and i was just like who's just peter parker that's just popped in <laughs> who's this kid um but it's yeah it's, it's fantastic it plays so well they've added an additional level of features to the miles morales spider-man which makes me think, can I go back and play Spider-Man Remastered? Because they've now added in these new features that become kind of bread and butter now for that Spider-Man. Is it going to feel a bit dated playing the old one? But instant load, beautiful, beautiful. And I will talk about Astro's Playroom another time, but that is 
Chef's Kiss, beautiful. Molesy, I want to hear you, what you've been playing on this machine as well, man. Uh, so, yeah, PS5 for a week. Um, thus far, PS5 games, the only one I've played is Astro's Playroom. <laughs> Terrible, isn't it? It's so brand good, new, though, brand new it's hardware, so and I've only played one game, and it was a freebie that came with. But yeah, I, I've got the back catalogue in the collection to get through. So yeah, Final Fantasy VII remake, bit of COD Warzone, Crash Bandicoot, Destiny Two, Bloodborne. I've got a lot of games to catch up on. So yeah, I should lock myself in a cave for a, a couple of years. Just a point on this: I, I said to you guys last week that I was going to play the Final Fantasy VII remake because it was obviously free on PlayStation Plus. Can you please give me those hours back that I spent on that game? Um, oh, man, I love dude, it. Dude, come strange. on, man. Right, so the initial bit was fine, right? You're going and do, doing the Mako, Mako reactor. What, what's it called? Mako reactors, yeah. Fine, that'll do. You're going in, you're blowing it to smithereens, and you, then you're getting out of Dodge, right? Fine. That's a cool story. I liked Barrett. Cloud seemed a bit of a... <laughs> if I'm honest with you. I don't understand why he's got a beef with everyone. Uh, the two supporting jobber characters, the, the girl and the, and the boy, I have no idea what their roles were. I One totally of them was, thought they fleshed him out so much better than the original. <laughs> I was like, what, who are they? Like, what guy with bandana, girl with bombs. Like, great. No idea who these people are. I literally couldn't care less. The, the most secondary, tertiary characters I've ever seen in my life. And the combat, right? The graphics look fine, right? That, that No issue, right? It's got the JRPG feel where you don't really feel that you're connected to the world when you're moving around. It's something that always irritates me. Um, but one of those things that you had to, to get to my nerves of JRPGs at the best of times. Awful combat. I hated every second of it. There's no oomph to anything. It's all chaotic. It's all horrendous. No, thank you very much. Right. Take it away. Give it to someone else. Cause I do not want this. Um, and then I was like, right, but I was like, you know what? By that point, I was like, right, the actual, the story is pretty good. I'm quite enjoying this to be fair. Like I'm in, I'm intrigued by the whole cloud thing. And then Tifa rocks up. I have heard this name before in my life. Okay, uh, there's a wrestler on AEW that dresses like her. So I was like, I recognized what she was wearing straight away. I was like, okay, I, I, I recognize this person. I've heard of this person before. You're a pop culture influencer. Dude, what on earth yeah. is, this, is this thing? Because it ain't a person. Like, it ain't a real person. It's not someone that would, would conceivably exist in any form of reality. No, people like this don't exist. This weird amalgamation I, I, of... I think you're supposed to suspend every... disbelief in this game, though, dude. You've got dude, a dude with on, an man. arm like, with a gun, like... I just, I just can't, I just can't get on with it. And then, then I was like, right. So she seems just bizarre, just completely bizarre. All of her mannerisms are bizarre. The way she speaks to Cloud is bizarre. Everything is just a bit weird, and everything's weird in this game anyway, right? However, then they say to me, right, Michael, you're going to go to sleep now. You keep having visions of this dude. I assume that's Sephiroth. Is that how you pronounce yes, his name? Yeah, right? yeah, he yeah. looks dope, right? Fair enough. That guy looks funny. Metal. However, however, I was like, right. I'm quite intrigued. I, I went out and ate lasagna. I was like, okay, I've eaten my lasagna. I'm going to get back to Final Fantasy VII. This looks fun. I then spent the next two hours doing fetch quests. Go and kill five rats. And I went, nope, done. Good night. F*** off. Like, what? Come on, man. You're making me pad out all this bollocks. And you're doing me, you're making me do fetch quests. Like, walking around like a chump. No. Like, the no. I'm, this is a waste of my time. This well, ain't just, World of well, Warcraft three, in 2004, dude. Like, this ain't, this doesn't pass for gameplay, right? 
I know you said it the other day, Flint, oh, I just sit on my couch. I just chill out and, I, you know, it's a nice way to work. That's, that's for, me, for me, it is, man. For me, it is. It's, it's uh, escapism. Have it on the background. I hear what you're saying. <sighs> there is a lot of bloat. Miserable. And don't, you know what they say, don't look a free game on PSN in the mouth too much. But <laughs> I understand what you're saying. AJ, I remember back when Final Fantasy 15 came out and you weren't, you're not a Final Fantasy man or you weren't until that point anyway. And you told me back then it was one of your games of the year. You chuffing loved it. Um, have you had a chance to play FF7 out of curiosity? Because I know they've kind of taken some of the mechanics and stuck that in this. No, I've not played Remake. Obviously, I've played 8, 7, 15 are my favourites, but I did obviously like 10, 12, 12, 2 and stuff beforehand as well. But I mean, look, all I know is but by the time Mike finished, I'd hit buy now on Amazon because, you know, <laughs> what a sales pitch right there for, for, for the Game Awards 2020's best role-playing game. Um, no, don't worry about those awards. Put the Michael Carden Edwards on the back of the box. After my lasagna, I was done. Um, <laughs> like, I, I, what made me laugh is you're complaining about the fetch quest, in, and but you acknowledge it's a JRPG, and the RPG element of the game kind of indicates you're going to have to do some grinding or something. I know, but I, I would suggest on that though. Like, I mean, I I, I, I completely take that point. However, the, I think the, half of my issue is I've just come from playing um, Dragon Quest Eleven, um, and that is. That's a supreme experience in every sense of the word. Like genuinely, I, I absolutely love that game beyond belief. Like I'm a big fan of JRPGs in general. Um, I did find Persona 5 to be a little bit too much, to be honest with you. Like the thing it was lauded for was obviously it's crazy, incredible art style. That got on my brain a little bit too after a while. I just found Final Fantasy 7. I thought it was a lot of style, lack of substance. And it felt like I played Final Fantasy 15 as well for what it's worth. I thought that was fine. Didn't really like the combat too much in that. But with seven, it just felt like I'm being padded. I felt like it, they're just elongating my time to get as much out of me as they possibly can. And I just like, I don't have all day to play video games. I get like, you know, a couple of hours here and there. I ain't got time for fetch quests at this stage of my life. If I was like, you know, a uni student in lockdown, great time. I'm just going to sit down, probably get high and have a great time. I ain't got time for that more bruv <laughs> not my son anymore think, like it's what you said though right like and i think that's the problem like, it's, it's twofold with this and ff7 remake is taking something that pre-existed and, and trying to make it for a modern audience so straight away like speaking from experience they're riding that line of okay well where do we keep it to homage where do we have to stay true to the original where can we expand um and they like you know I, i've not played it but i know they've gone for the more ff15 style real-time combat approach um which I imagine has pissed off a lot of FF7 original fans because obviously it was a classic turn-based. Um, and then the other side of things is, I'm afraid, boys, we're that age where we're not the audience for game makers anymore. Like, we're just not. Like, you know, when I'm pitching games, I don't say I'm pitching them to 35-year-old dudes who are still talking about video games. Um, <laughs> you know, we're, we're, not that key, we're not that key demographic anymore. And especially kind of for, for like a a Western meets Eastern developer product like FF7 Remake, like it's, you know, they're going to be looking for the numbers because they put big, big money into this. And big, big money into a game which, as far as I'm aware, no spoilers, isn't the whole of FF7. It's the first part. It's Is the that- first, it's, yeah, it's like the first 10 hours they've stretched into a 60-hour game. Right, so it's... That, um, that, that literally tells you... And that is, it's so apparent that that's what they've done. Like, so, so apparent. My question to you, AJ, on that would be, obviously, like, I'm fully aware I ain't the target audience for this, for this stuff. I get that entirely. However, I'd like to know who is the target audience for, like, fetch quests. Are that, what, like, I, that was outdated 10 years ago in my head. Do you know what I mean? Like, it, I, I, it, I, I genuinely feel like the design choices of Final Fantasy VII, because from the, 
looking at it and some of the things I was like, this is actually really good. It encouraged me to play beyond the initial kind of couple of hours, you know, where you start to, is this game for me or not? I played beyond that initial bit, but then I was like, what's going on? Why, why am I doing this now? It's weird, right? Like I'm a bit weird. So I hated open world as a concept for years, like decades. I, I, I did not like open world games. Never did. I didn't get on with any GTA game. Um, And then I played FF15 and I put 115 hours into it. And I played all the post game, and suddenly, like next, it was the food. Was it was the food. It was the best looking food in a video I've, game you've ever I've, seen. I've discovered a new recipe. Um, <laughs> but like, I, and that was it. It flicked a switch, and the next thing you know, I'm doing GTA Five. I did Witcher Three. Bought all the DLC for Witcher Three. Um, I I've always hated grinding, but I got obsessed with grinding. Like when I played FF15, I had got to nearly. I mean, I must have been about five five or six hours into the game when I started grinding. And from that point onwards, I didn't die for the rest of the game because by the time I got to every boss, you I was at a high level that he couldn't... T- I had so much money for like for health and such a high level, I couldn't be touched. And, and so many eggs. That's how I've played every game since then, basically. I'm like, okay, how do I level? Or right, I'm just going to go out and do this monotonous grind so I can just destroy everyone. Um, and this is the stuff I hated. And fetch quests were up there, like... I mean, it's, you know, it's not game design. If I, I mean, I, I saw one comment in the email, actually, and I think I'm going to trigger that here. Like, you know, Kojima made an entire game out of a fetch quest, right? So Death Stranding. Yes, Morgan, that game sucks. We should all admit uh, it. No, I, I like Death Stranding, um, but, I like the, I know, but I admitted what it was. Like, the guy made turn... Walking simulator. Well, he made being a postman into a full AAA game. Like, <laughs> and, and you could be a really bad... Po- I was an awful postman in that game. Like, I was... I was the type of postman I'd comp- I was I was bloody I was Yodel. I was Yodel basically. Like He was the Hermes of video games. That's what I, that's what I was. But like I I just and I had just had so much respect for him because at the end I was just like You made me just deliver packages. That's all I did. You just made a giant <laughs> the worst type of mission in any video game is a fetch quest. You made your entire game out of a fetch quest and I played it and I finished it. And I was <laughs> And I'm just like Kojima, you're just a brilliant, brilliant motherfucker. Like, just- I love. I hope he was pitching this, and they were like, "Oh, can he do it?" You know, Konami said some rumors, and he has spent some time looking for that engine, and he just comes in and just goes, "Fetch quest the game," and they go, "You son of a bitch, here's your money." <laughs> I, lo- I like the fact you think Kojima has to pitch. Like, yeah, that's probably a good point. To be he fair. literally you left Konami, and then he walked he into the room and he just went Kojima, and then they were just like, huh? "Kojima, Kojima." Here you go. Well, on that note, like, what's your least favorite type of mission? My, mine is the one where you have to accompany, like, an escort mission. Oh, yeah. Because oh. if Kojima pulls that out the next time, uh, it's, I, mean, I, I think he's going to struggle. I mean, yeah, look, escort missions are the wor- Well, unless the escort's incredible, obviously, like, you know, God of War, great escort system. Um, last it doesn't feel like an escort then, though, does it? Well, that, I mean, it's because it's so good, it just feels like another character. I mean, yeah. but let's be honest, at our age, our biggest example of an escort mission was bloody Natalia in Goldeneye, right? The worst <laughs> escort mission ever made in a video game because your escort just walks in front of you when you're aiming. Um, yeah, I hate escort missions. Just, I just hate them. They're, just, they're not fun. There's nothing fun about every time you get a rhythm, the game telling you, oh, can you go back because your NPC's stuck on the corner of a wall. Uh, or or the, the sort of missions where it was, it's a, you've got to follow someone and if they catch you or turn around, you know, you've got to restart the whole thing. Now, I know sometimes like they have to be there because you got like um, like in Metal Gear 4, uh, where you've got to follow that guy down the street. That was 
frustrating, right? Or in um in Breath of the Wild, where you've got to go through the forest and you're creeping behind those things. Like, like I get it in small doses, but when it's like a good solid forty minutes, and like you say, Mike, you've only got like a couple of hours to play. Yes, I know, games industry, thirty-five year old man, you're not aiming it at me, but still, I've only got a couple of hours. It's really frustrating, dude. It's we're what? the ones with the money, like surely. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> but no, on that note, the worst part about Breath of the Wild for me was um, the. Uh, and it's the same with Spider-Man, in fact. Forced stealth sections. Yeah. In yeah. Spider-Man, where you have to play as the person that Every isn't Spider-Man game. for a while. What's that about? And in Breath of the Wild, where you go and infiltrate the um, the dudes in the desert. You know, and they literally uh, you get yeah, caught, yeah, yeah. one shot, killed, dead. And it's just forced stealth, man. No time for it. It's, it's, look, stealth games aren't good. As like, like, by nature, stealth games aren't good. They're either amazing... Or they're awful, and that's the spectrum. Amazing, tense, stealth assassins. Pretty much every Metal Gear Solid, right? Look, they're incredible. They're built around stealth. They're great. Everything else is awful because what fun is it going into a game where you have to hide all the time? Like, I mean, uh, Alien Isolation, another good one, right? I call that one table hat simulator because I spent most of my time wearing a table as a hat. Um, (laughs) That's why poor stealth isn't good because stealth isn't really good in stealth games. Then when you take a stealth section in a game that isn't built around it, like no, no one wants no one wants to go from an exciting level to having to hide behind yeah. unless the re- unless the reward is so it's it's the risk reward thing, right? So let's say like in an Assassin's Creed game, if you get a stealth kill, you get a lot more XP as an example. So if the reward for going through that horrible gameplay of like you say hiding constantly, constantly being interrupted, and when you do go up. Oh, I'm just going to run for it and then get caught and go repeat the whole thing. As long as the payoff's good, it's bearable. But if, even if there's no if there's no payoff, then you literally are just thinking, what's the I point? Mean, even if the payoffs, is, if it's choice, it's fine. Like in Assassin's Creed, when it's optional and you get yeah, yeah. or Hitman, right? Great. Or, or Metal Gear Solid, or Metal Gear Solid Five, where you can yeah, just oh. literally Rambo it if you want. Um, the, the only the only other game because like, that's why I didn't go on with the Last of Us because I just found the stealth sections nauseating. Um, Batman, the Batman games. That's the only other type of game where I'm like, you know what? I'm happy to be stealth because I'm Batman. And it's because you're the knight. That's it. Because you're not being stealthy, you're being Batman. Like, exactly. <laughs> you don't buy a Batman game expecting to not be Batman. Like, <laughs> but stealth in Batman is fun as well. That's the thing. Like, it is, you know, because it's not don't make a sound. You, you fire a very, very loud grappling hook into a stone ceiling that makes a big sound and you swing around and no one notices you. So stealth is still fun, right? It's. Yeah, it's, it's these games where it's like, yeah, move at a walk. Like, you finally find out why there's completely, like, analog controls. It's because they've been saving that stupid walk speed for these stealth sections. So it's like, okay, walk at the slowest speed. Don't do any of the fun stuff we've been teaching you for the last 15 hours. And if this one dude turns around at the very last second, just go back and do the whole non-fun bit again, please. Oh, and, and also, when that, when that one dude, if you, if, you, if you walk slightly faster than that one speed that we've designated you at, not just the dude in front of you will see you, the entire facility will go off all at once. They'll all know exactly where you are, and they'll all charge at you without any remorse or mercy. <laughs> and it's like, brilliant. Thanks, thanks, dude. Can I tell you a Batman story? So I went on Cameo and I decided, I didn't realise this until the next day when I got it rejected on Cameo and there's a reason behind this. I put a request in to Batman, Kevin Conroy, 
to just send me a video to say, hi, Adam, you're really drunk and you've forgotten this, but you bought yourself a present. I'm Batman. Now, you, you can only put the request as like 20 characters. So I put a link to a Google Doc <laughs> saying, can Kevin please read this? And I just got a rejection like a couple of days later. I was like, oh, well, Batman rejected me. But whenever I think of those Batman games, I, I hope that Kevin Conroy read that and laughed. Of, oh, great. Another drunk person wanting them to give themselves a present of Batman. Um, anyway, shall we crack on with the news? Because that was a really long intro, but a damn good one. Um, so Jade Redman has left uh, Stadia to form a new studio with PlayStation. This is quite interesting. This has asked a lot of questions about where Stadia are going. I know we've spoke about Stadia quite a bit, and I don't want to spend too much time talking about the service itself because we've all got opinions of it. But do we think this is a nail in the coffin? And do we think Google is going to start pulling out of this market? Is anyone in the market? Are they even in the market anymore? Like, what's the what's the point? Mm, I, like, a- my my role in this show is to be fairly negative and to bury things. Right, that seems to be why I, <laughs> seems to be what I'm doing these days. Dude, dude, Stadia, like moles, you had it, you you gave it a go, right? It was shite. Look, look, there you go. Look, there's 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 the scrap line. Look, I I follow video game news very closely. Um, I basically live on the likes of Reset Era and Reddit constantly. No one talks about it anymore. It's done. Like no one, mm. there's no hype for it at all. I, I, maybe there is somewhere in some dark, deep corner of the internet. I I just don't ever see anyone talking about it. Um, there's nothing that they have said or done since it was launched, since it was announced, really, that makes me go, you know what? I'll drop some of my money on this because there's just there's no appeal to me. Um, yeah, that's, that's my enough. thoughts. It's the same as they were before. Now, uh, I mean, this, uh, what's her name again? Sorry, Jade Redmond? Yeah, Jade uh, she, Redmond. She was former brains behind, if I'm correct on this, Assassin's Creed, Far Cry 4. She had a hand in as well. Um, uh, Watch Dogs. Got pedigree, man. Yeah, got Watch Dogs pedigree. Well. Sim, awesome. Sims Online. Sims Online, yeah. Um, uh, and also, if I'm correct, she wasn't she on Metric Side 4, like the executive producer or something mad like that? I don't know about that. I know she was big in Ubisoft and, and kicked ass there for a bit. She's uh, literally the smartest game dev I've ever met in my life, just so you know. Yeah, well, dude, oh. well this is it. Like the the by all accounts, it's a proper coup because she yeah. she's got quite a pedigree. She's been given quite a lot of awards in her time. Um, we talked a while ago about uh, Xbox. Um, making quite big strides, things like Game Pass, uh, all these different things, and what do what does Sony have to do? And I think our consensus at the time was just continue what they're doing because Sony are doing a really good job and have been doing it for quite some time. Stuff like this is why they're doing a good job. Yeah. She, it's she, how they're going to keep doing good jobs in two or three, four years' time because they're making acquisitions like this now. Yeah, and you know the behemoths that the likes of Far Cry, Assassin's Creed have turned into, testament to what she's done. So like, I, I like fair, fair play, basically. Absolute fair play. <laughs> AJ, you, you, you left a little nugget there of like you actually know her and she's incredible. Out of curiosity, with the, we obviously have no idea how the sausage is made with this sort of stuff. But when it comes to <laughs> platforms being, sorry, that wasn't meant to be an entendre to the games industry, but unfortunately it is to be fair. But um, in regards to things like Stadia, how do they get devs involved or how do they start bringing up? Have you ever been involved in like, you don't have to say obviously, but in terms of specific details, but have you ever been involved in the idea of, Oh, we're making a game. How do we get it on Stadia or Stadia ever contact devs, that community, how do they embrace developers for this sort of stuff? Same as every other platform. Yeah. We've had many conversations with Google about it. Like, are we going to bring some stuff to Stadia? Like we've pitched games as Stadia exclusives. Um, like, 
they're the same as every other platform, right? They've got business development teams. They tell you what they're doing with the tech, what the roadmap is, like why they think they'd be a good fit for you. You tell them why you'd be a good fit for them. Look, in terms of like platforms, like the thing, you know, people think I've got allegiance to Microsoft and I'm always going to be grateful for what's happened with Microsoft. But, you know, I always go back to the Dave Chappelle quote that, you know, that Donald Glover put in us one of his songs that, you know, he always said that people ask him what tastes better, Pepsi or Coke. It's whoever's paying him the most at the time. Um, and, you know, I like all the platforms. I play all the platforms. I've got Xbox. I've got PlayStation. I've got Switch. Like, if one of them wants to fund my studio and they're not going to be assholes, then, yeah, you know, I love that platform at that time. Um, the problem with Stardew is it's, it's a concept, and it's not a concept that's got fully realized. So streaming is, streaming is the future, right? Streaming at some point will be what it is because it makes no sense to keep making hardware. It just doesn't, like... You make if the great work to be done elsewhere, it's so much more accessible. We get the future; it's just not. Yeah. It's not now. Right, look, at my, look at Microsoft. Like Games Pass. Like Games Pass. Every time Phil talks, like he talks about like the Game Pass and Xbox, not as a piece of hardware. He talks about it's, it as it's an ecosystem. Right. That is what he always and he's been saying this for years. And that dude, no, that dude cannot be any smarter, right? And you know, I imagine today if Sony turned around and they had a good relationship, you'd see Xbox Game Pass going onto Sony platforms, right? Because I think the future is going to be that it's no longer about having this bit of hardware and having this exclusives because it, it doesn't really matter anymore. So what Stardia was meant to be was this streaming deem, this streaming idea realised of I don't have to have a physical thing anymore. I just have this little box or a Chromecast and it doesn't matter what spec it is. It doesn't matter how old it is. It'll play the newest games. Now, where that falls down is you don't come out and say you're going to compete with PlayStation and Xbox and Nintendo. You just don't. Like, there's no point because you'll get laughed at. It doesn't matter how big a tech company you are because those three people are established. You know, PlayStation's had number one this gen and it's, you know, Xbox and Nintendo have been battling for number two. Secondly, you don't do a model where you have to pay for the individual game still, which is where Stadia fell down, right? Like yeah. Game Pass works because it's a subscription service. Because I Netflix know for games, you get it, you understand it. A parent buying for their child would understand it in a heartbeat. And I've, I keep saying this: like, if you want to know a good gift to get your nephew that you don't really know that well about, but you know they like video games, they're going to love you if you get them Games Pass, right? It's just that it's so easy to understand. It's such an easy value proposition where I still don't get what start like like the actual proposition is for Stadia. You pay for something and you pay something on top and then you've got different equipment. It should be simple. It's, it's hard though, right? Because like... Well, it's expensive. Well, people make money out of these games, right? So like Ubisoft aren't going to just give over... Yeah, here you go. Take our big $60 titles, have them all for free for your platform. Like it doesn't work like that. Google have to pay for that, right? And if you're trying to compete because you've said you're going to try and compete, that suddenly means you'd have to be able to afford all the top cross-platform games on these these deals where you've basically got to say to them, I know you make 60 quid a product for it. We want it on our platform for 12 months. And then Ubisoft aren't going to turn around and just go, oh, okay, well, in 12 months, we'd make this much money. They'll go, oh, in 12 months, we'd make this much money. So that times four, please. Like, and then, But this is it. Like Netflix, when it first came about, wasn't making – Netflix weren't making their own stuff at that point. No, they're now, now they've got to the point where they can literally go and commission stuff to be made exclusively for Netflix. We're a long way from Stadia or Stadia. Stadia? Stadia? I don't know how it is. I mean, there you go, number one. There you go, right there. <laughs> but like, we don't like, – uh, yeah, it feels like it's uh, the future trying to be realized now um, for me. And it just – I know that I've never had a good enough internet connection for this to work well. I know it's, 
And for me as well, like I, me and Flynn have talked about this a lot in the past. Like I love the feel of video games. I tried playing, um, if you've ever played Street Fighter online with a bad connection, you'll know how frustrating that can be. I need good lag-free gaming as much as I possibly can. Like I play on the game mode on my TV and stuff, you know, because I hate lag. And the more that, you know, with the new consoles coming out where they just push all these technical wondrousness, um, everything's instant, instant on, all this kind of stuff. Like you need to eliminate all of those little foibles that come with streaming. And it's not going to be, it's not going to happen for quite some time. Going back to PlayStation, I'm intrigued, right? Because she's making a brand new IP. Is that, is that correct? Yep. Yeah, we don't know too much about it. Uh, she is very similar. Do you remember when we talked about Kojima before? Do you remember when, for a period of time, he basically was going around to different studios going, show me your wares, bring me your engines, and I'll pick my next IP with it. Um, she's doing something quite similar at the moment, and rightfully so, right? And that's how Kojima ended up partnering with the guys that done Horizons to use their engine. At some point in the near future, we'll probably hear a similar announcement of her partnering with another organization and using their engine for her her big endeavor. That's yes, where they're at it, at the moment. It sounds common. Like, look, you know, dude. I am no fan of Assassin's Creed games. You couldn't find a less more a less enthusiastic person about those games in, on the planet. I love them. Yeah, you Give do. Me I mean, like again, Watch Dogs, Far Cry. Not really my bag. She, I think she was. In, wasn't she involved in Battlefield, uh, Battlefront Two as well? In some, and that yeah. game actually turned out really good. So I just call her money. She might basically call money. her money. Basically. So yeah, I yeah. dude, I'm intrigued. Um, we talked about Xbox having not the best kind of unique ips these days um there's well, nothing that get, there's nothing that gets me excited well, with, with a couple of exceptions of i mean course. Well, i'm not just saying that but you did you was that a comment you made before they spent nine billion dollars acquiring bethesda and all the well that bethesda. takes us delightfully to next, onto our next like, thing right love it love it so let's talk about that for a second uh bethesda oh i love it when a when a when a segue comes together um bethesda recently uh, done the big announcement about obviously the it's now official the marriage is now here the kids are staying with with microsoft as it were and they dropped a bunch of bethesda games on games pass over the last week or so this has caused a little bit of controversy in a i don't know if it's controversy is the right word but basically some of the games are available on Games Pass for Xbox, but not on the PC version. The big omission, apparently, the biggest crime against humanity right now is that you can't get Fallout New Vegas on the PC Games Pass, but you can on the console version. That's not the news, though. The news is this is an amazing acquisition. If you had to make a list of that IP and put that toe-to-toe with all the other first-party IPs out there, you would definitely say there's a battle to be had there. And while we've got someone who has worked on a Games Pass IP as well, it be interesting to hear his points on this. Um, AJ, not to put you on the spot. What? Do you think I'm asking you a question? Not, here we go. This is my this is your frosty Nixon. Do you think that Bethesda are going to hold back some of that classic IP going forward on PlayStation? Well, obviously everything I'm saying is my opinion. I don't know any information. Yeah, yeah. Um yeah, yeah, completely like this. You have no inside knowledge. I'd, this I'd, is your opinion, right? I'd be very surprised if any of the very re- the the ones that are coming soon, there's probably already established deals and work that has been done, so they'll probably still come out on the platforms. MS, you know, Minecraft is still on everything. They let stuff like Ori and Cuphead go to Switch. They're not necessarily opposed to cross-platform stuff, right? So I think if there's established deals, they'll still come out on it. In terms mm-hmm. of the future stuff, going back to what we've said on Games Pass. If Phil and Matt Booty's vision for Games Pass is to be on other platforms, I think they've just bought themselves a $7.5 billion bargaining chip where they can now push an agenda, right? Like you want Bethesda titles. Well, to play Bethesda titles, they come with the Xbox ecosystem. 
but we don't mean that has to stay on hardware. Besides that, if if that's not, not their agenda and they're not pushing that, I mean, I wouldn't, if I was them, I wouldn't give Sony the Bethesda titles moving forward. Like, I mean, why would you? Like, it's, it's a, at the end of the day, like you say, it is a bit of a, although competition is healthy because if one thrives, the other thrives. And as consumers, I think we win. I know there's probably an argument about pricing and all that sort of stuff. And I don't know how it is on the dev- uh, developer side of things, but from a consumer standpoint, I think we win if, if everyone gets better, right? Um, but I mean, Mike, put no, one- it's, it's WWF versus WCW. You can you can literally put the downfall of when WWE started getting crap when they didn't have someone to compete with anymore. Like it's you know that's that's what we need. We need we need WWE versus WCW. We need it. We need Xbox versus Sony. But we don't need fanboyism. We just need a large collection of studios that are pushing each other for quality. And look, people, yeah. people shouldn't moan about paying sixty quid for some of these games. They get like hundred and fifty hours out of a game now. We paid sixty quid for oh, man. titles. I completely yeah. agree with you, man. The price yeah. point hasn't changed in 15 years. Like it's, games, got a, it's got a change, right? The whole world has moved since then. Games cost so much money to make, man. They cost so much money to make. These these AAA titles that you put 150 hours into, that doesn't come very, very, very quickly. That comes with hundreds of millions of dollars of spending. Like, pay, If you like it and you're going to get 100 hours out of it, pay 60 quid because you pay more than that for a f- boxing fight that lasts five minutes like you'll, you'll yeah, pay yeah. you'll pay 30 quid to go and watch go to the cinema to watch a two-hour film yeah and yeah you pay i mean like, like you said i put i put i think 140 hours into the witcher like i put 120 hours into bloodborne for christ's sake like i put god knows how many into zelda like you you really do invest in these games and i look, i have no issue paying it the only time like but then this is the thing as well like people always say oh the game the price of games are paying six quid you don't have to because the amount of sales that are on digital stores these days I, if there's anything if there's any game that comes out and i'm not sure about for, great example final fantasy 7 another great example control right yeah. i've managed to get the both of those games over the, two, over the last two months of because of playstation plus for free other obviously the subscription that you pay for playstation plus games that when they're released i could have dropped 60 notes on and i didn't need to i can wait a bit you know what i mean like that's it there's so much choice for people more so than when I was a kid when I was a kid I'd have to literally as you say I was paying 60 70 quid for Nintendo 64 games which can fit on a floppy disk yeah that's exactly right well before we move on to the next news item I do want to do a round table bet next Elder Scrolls will it be a console exclusive on Xbox Mikey yes or no it's a myth mate it's never coming out (laughs) producer moles I think the Bethesda stuff might be timed exclusives. Like, you'll get it a week earlier on Xbox. I don't know, because they don't have that Tomb Raider game, didn't they? Yeah. And it, it did not work yeah. out. Then they, you know, bundle in some extra stuff that you only get on Xbox. You know, give them some... Horse armor? Horse armor? Any, anyone for horse armor? Yeah. Horse armor. Give them some horse armor. <laughs> give, give them some candy. I'm glad. I'm sorry. They're going to... I'm with. I'm. My opinion is this could be a license to print money for them if they wanted it to be. We all know the fanfare that comes to those Elder Scroll games. How would they not? Yeah. Why would they not say, you know what, this is an exclusive title, and you're going to get the best experience on this console with this Games Pass? Yes, you might be able to play it on different forms on our platform, but it's here. So let's see future 
is uh, hopefully bright for Games Pass continues from that. Speaking about bright futures, uh, let's talk about some Switch news. So Monster Hunter Rise, the early reviews have come out. They dropped yesterday. They are staggeringly high. Uh, it's the high 90s, 9s, the 10s are coming out for this. And I just one line, Mikey, you sent this in the WhatsApp group saying, the best game since Breath of the Wild on Switch. Now, that is a very bold claim. And you know what? I love hearing about this sort of stuff because it reminds me that the Switch isn't just a Mario ga- uh, Mario thing or a games that you liked in the past have been remastered for Switch. There is actual different IPs out there for exclusively for the Switch, and this is going to be another one to add to that list. I'm really excited, man. Um, Monster Hunter World did a really good job of... Um, simplifying the game but making it a lot more accessible to people um i had a pretty good time with that game i'll be honest with you but i can't lie i bought a 3ds back in the day and i played monster hunter on it and it was dope and i love the fact that i could play it on the go um when i was playing monster hunter world i kept having a niggling feeling i wish i was playing this on my switch and um now we have it and by like by all accounts it's meant to be really really good they've made really good design choices from an accessibility perspective they've done things like like the confusing part about world was they had like the online and single player was kind of mashed into the same kind of mode if you will so it's a bit difficult to differentiate and if you went online with people that hadn't done a particular quest you had to wait for them to watch a cutscene. it was all a bit annoying they've split that out again like the old games which again is a is a positive move for me i ain't very good at these games I'll, I'll fess up straight away, bruv. I ain't no good, but I enjoy it because I like loot. And it's got to make up for that god-awful Monster Hunter movie made by the people that made those god-awful Resident Evil movies. And I say that as a massive Resident Evil fan. AJ, you're a Monster Hunter guy. You ever you gave it a go? Uh, I've only, the last one I played was World. So, like, you know, I've not played a lot of them. I'm, I think they're all, like, it's awesome. And what they do is awesome. And the scope of them is insane. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the reviews for Rise look brilliant, right? It's, you know, I try to avoid Metacritic. It's really only there so devs can get bonuses. Um, <laughs> so like, but you know, it's always nice when you see someone hitting green on Metacritic because you know, no, no one wants a yellow or a red. Speaking from experience, so yeah, I mean, <laughs> every time it's green, a developer gets his wings. <laughs> yeah, every time it's green, the publisher pays what they should pay you. Is basically the way it should be viewed. Really? Um, well. But yeah, like uh, it, it sounds like it's awesome, and I've, I'm definitely going to end up picking it up, whether I pick it up now or kind of when it drops in price, if it ever does. Um, it's I, hard I with Nintendo, uh, isn't it? Though they really drop. Yeah, I mean it's very rare you see a lot of the titles on that system come down, right? Um, but yeah, I mean it looks awesome. I definitely want to play it. Nice. Speaking about games that have an awesome scope and achieving their potential, Avengers is back, baby. Yes, the 18th of March dropped their next-gen update. Uh, AJ couldn't quite tell. There's a theme going on here. I love it. Everyone else hates it. I'm probably one of the four people that are still playing it. Um, But they also done their roadmap unveiling, finally. So we have got some news coming. So for for the two other people that play Avengers that listen to this podcast as well, we have the Future Imperfect DLC that came out the other day. We have finally... Mikey, you're going to love this. They're going to use the movie likeness. Yes, they're going to actually bring the movie likeness characters into the game later on in the year. They're also going to enable you to have the same Avengers in the same team. So your Iron Man can be on the same team as my Iron Man, and we can go do Iron Man stuff, and John can join, and we can be an Iron Legion. How cool is that going to be? Um, I think I'm doing a better job of selling it than they are at the moment, to be honest. This sounds but, um, too good to be true, because it's all. it's like they've listened to our podcast a few weeks ago. 
and gone, these guys don't it's, like Avengers. There's one guy that <laughs> likes it, so let's give him a bit more. Let's get the other two involved. It's because I'm just I'm the only one flying around in Avengers on my own, screaming into the void, saying, "Listen to our podcast, <laughs> dude." On on so obviously the 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 PS5 and the Xbox uh, Series X. That's what yep. it's called. Yes, excellent. Um, that 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 version came out right. A new character was released. Was a Hawkeye was released as well. Yes. Yep, Saturday yep, yep. night. Would you like to take a guess how many Twitch viewers <laughs> oh, were viewing no. this content on Twitch? Don't tell me. I'm in a good world. I like it. I new like character. It. Next uh, gen I, upgrades. Uh, what, are these, what are you saying? Hawkeye's really not popular. It's going to be really low. It's going to be something like you're going to tell me that like a dog jumping up and down. Uh, rivaled that stream and beat it or something aren't you 600 people oh look okay okay this is not anthem this is not anthem stick with it boys stick the course it will come good it will come good aj i know you're our marvels man as well marvels man and avengers man as well i know that you are a very busy man have you had a chance to play this yet or have you have you got an opinion of this game uh, i haven't played it and i think that kind of speaks volumes i've got to be honest um i wanted <laughs> i wanted it to be good i want it to be good um the problem is, is that I'm not big into online games anyway. Like, yeah, like we've, we've said this on this podcast, last, even Destiny's not Destiny, right? This, this whole, this, this holy grail of an MMO that gives you millions of monthly active users does not necessarily exist for its entire lifespan. And yeah, sorry, you were saying. I think for me, like, I'd have just wanted a really great single player or co-op local campaign game, and just being like a, a linear game, like. And Avengers wasn't really that, right? And so it's it's not what I'm looking for for my experience. I think I'll stick to Captain America and the Avengers on the Mega Drive. Mate, um, that was my, class, that's such a dope game. Ultimate Alliance, man. That's what I that's that's, I, I, that's, I, that's how I get my fix, right? I invested into a freaking Marvel Champions board game, right? A card game, because I that's far more enjoyable than sinking money into a horrible game. Where none of them look. I mean, they 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 bring out the movie likenesses. Yes, yes, they've they've got they've they've thrown all the money at it to get the likenesses of the MCU. How so how much do you me. think they had to pay to go and get Robert Downey Jr.'s face? I have no idea. They don't I need it. He wears a helmet. Right, yeah, so it's how they're going they, around it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, well, I'm, I'm hoping <laughs> that when they have the cutscenes, they actually show his face. <laughs> yeah, but um, look, I. I, I hear everyone saying there are moments when that game really does shine. Um, I will be, I'll be, candying, I'll be holding the candle for it, but we've also mentioned that when Flint goes big on a game, it tends to be a game that fails. <laughs> so that might be all you need to know from that. But maybe, just maybe, the thing is, everyone says the same thing, is, oh, maybe in a year's time I'll pick it up. Because, like, in a year's time, hopefully all the DLC will be available. The Wakanda DLC will be there. All these additional characters will be there. The scope of this game is absolutely incredible in terms of the level design and stuff because you literally can traverse it in all these different ways and all that sort of stuff. But that only happens if people keep playing because, like we talked about, when Anthem had the, uh, the plug pulled on it um, last month, um, unfortunately, it doesn't matter how big your your moonshot is if you don't have the fuel to get you there, and that fuel is is people. So I'm holding a candle, but... Also, another thing which is kind of hamstrung in it is with these DLC story packs they keep giving, they're only about an hour of content. Now, it's free. It, as part of buying the game, you get all this content for free. But the truth is, everyone's going, ah, it's a bit janky. It's a bit shit, isn't it? You know, just go for an hour, play as Hawkeye for a bit, and that's it. I've got to wait for three months for the next bit. So, again, your offering has to be compelling to keep bringing it back. I mean, we're, we're all lapsed Destiny players, right? We've all, we all were hooked on Destiny at one point, and then at some point or other, we've gone, actually, the added 
oomph of modern mids come back is getting smaller and smaller. Unfortunately, Avengers didn't even have that. Like the end game is pretty, yeah, for lack of a better pun, is pretty poor. But, You're aware with like me, moles, and woods have all downloaded Destiny in the last like, day. Right? Oh yeah, I've, I'm, I'm, yeah, I've, I've seen. I'm, I'm on there. The League of Shadows uh, team will be back. Um, we'll rise again. <laughs> we will rise again. Speaking, I, I didn't try Destiny. Sorry, I didn't try Destiny till it was on Games Pass, and it might be the same for the Avengers. To be honest, if that hits one of the subscription services, then you know that that's 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 how Destiny got me, and I really enjoyed it. I didn't play Destiny two for that long, but when I did play, I did actually enjoy it. And if Avengers pops up on games pass in a, in a month or two then i'll 100 give it a go 100 nice do you think peter dinkage uh looks at destiny and just knocks it off the shelf like ben affleck in gongo or whatever movie it was where he's just like oh i wasn't that they fired me from it um anyway moving on to our final piece of news for this week so the developers that made dying light which by the way is a chuffing masterpiece one of my favorite first person zombie games ever if you've not played it please go find it um i think it's available on playstation now at the moment i don't know if it's on games pass everything else seems to be so it might be um but even still if, you, if it's not on there it's still really cheap on sales um they've been working on this sequel for a really long time and the developers posted a video show uh talking about the the low the state of play right now for that game and essentially they've said First of all, it's quite funny. They got they opened up each developer, got their phone out, and was reading tweets. So basically, them getting abuse, and it's supposed to be funny. Whilst at the same time, kind of underline that the internet's a pretty shitty place, and let's be kind to each other. But ultimately, saying look, the game is in development. It's not being canned. It's it's coming. It's coming, and I really can't wait to see it because it does look awesome. And, and like I say, Dying Light One, one of the best games I've ever played. AJ, I'll be remiss if I didn't ask this. You have been on the back end of people asking you when a game's coming, when it's coming, and getting shit from it. How do you deal with that sort of stuff, man? You just ignore them. Like, people asking for a game doesn't make you make it any quicker. Like, <laughs> they'll go, you know what brought this game to market quicker? It was actually some guy on Twitter that called yeah. me that called me a shitbag. <laughs> Honestly, like, I, I think people people really overestimate the power that they have. Like. Well, the thing I always say, and I'm a consumer, I'm a player more than I'm a developer, right? And I always have been. I've spent more hours of my life playing games than I have making them so far. Um, Like, we don't own games we play. We don't own worlds that we play. We don't own characters that we play. The developers that make them own those games, own those worlds, own those characters. And what when these players are sitting there going, I want the game tomorrow, I want the game tomorrow, you don't want the game tomorrow and have it be shit. You don't, right? You don't want us to release something early that's not ready, Say cyberpunk. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I'm I'm not here to slag off other devs. I'm I'm not going to do it because you know people are mad about cyberpunk, but there's hundreds of people that probably gave every last bit of their existence to making. Oh, absolutely. None, no, none of us go. None of us sit down for a project and go, "Oh, we can't wait to make <laughs> four out of ten. Like, you know, we all try to make the best. Hold on to your seats, guys. We're going for low. And that's it. And like dying like two, right? All these people that are moaning it's taking too long. These are the guys that made the game that make you want the sequel. Why don't you just let them, like, make the sequel, get it done when they want to? Like, no one no one chooses for a game to take longer than it has to because it costs money. It costs hundreds of thousands of pounds per month to take longer than it has to. It does, it does, it does kind of confuse me. Like, it baffles me a little bit. I have to say, just the, the psyche of people that get so angry about something like that, it's entertainment. Um, I, I just, I, because I, 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 like I said, I'm, I'm on the net constantly. I read all of this stuff, every kind of backlash or every kind of misdemeanor or all this kind of trolling stuff and all this. I just don't get it, man. Like for me, it's like, 
I will happily criticize a video game, right? But yeah, but it's it's always I always frame it. It's my it's my it's my opinion. Like I don't yeah. wish any ill will on the people that made it. You know what I mean? I'm not saying that these guys are terrible at their jobs. I'm just saying, look, I didn't particularly like it. And that you can do that and it's fine. Not everything has to be for you personally. And it feels like everyone has a sense of entitlement where they seem to think, you know what? I didn't like this particular aspect of this. I'm going to complain about it as much as I can because then if they do fix it, I can claim it was because of me and I've then done all the work that those stupid devs should have done. I feel like that's quite a large part of it in, uh, to a degree oh, as well. And like, I think we're the no, most fan base i think game fans are the most entitled fan base in the world because yeah. like not like the thing that always gets me is when people tweet neil Druckmann and say you did this with joe and ellie joe and ellie would never do that well they would because neil Druckmann, the guy that made them up <laughs> said they would like yeah. you may not like it but no one knows what joe and ellie would do more than neil Druckmann. like so Sorry, dude, sitting in your pants in your mum's basement. I'm going to side with Neil Druckmann on this one. Like, yeah. yeah, the creators allowed to have an opinion on their stuff, right? Like, so, in another, like, if it's the creators, like, it's not. If it's the creator saying this is what the character would do, it's not an opinion. It is what well, the yeah, that's, would do. That's like, very true as well. You know, it's 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 you know, and I'm I'm biased on this, right? Because we had it with the Dark Queen, right? I decided when we were going to do Battletoads, I didn't want to make a game coming out this year where the main female character had her breasts hanging out. And she'd been stuck in a lab, so she wouldn't be wearing her spandex. So I put her in a different outfit, and we just got nonstop abuse for it. Dark Queen wouldn't do this. Dark Queen, well, she would because I've been given the reins to the Dark Queen, and I said she would. Yes, it's like, your it's your vision of the like, character. Like, but you're definitely allowed to criticise. No, like that is a hundred percent your right. You're spending money on a game. You don't like it. You say exactly everything you don't like, but just understand that, like, vote with your feet, not with hate. Well, yeah, you don't have an ownership. You don't have yeah. an ownership over how that stuff works. Like. The game creators do, and they they make these amazing worlds that get you all so passionate, and these amazing characters that you love so much that you feel hate because you know Battletoads is a prime example. Love and hate are this close to each other, right? That's why Battletoads has got ten out of ten on its Metacritic and four out of ten on its Metacritic because you don't get one without the other. But it's like, look, this dude's made you feel this passionate about it. Trust that they know exactly what their characters would do. Like, you may not like it, you don't have to, but no one knows better what these characters would do than the person who literally brought them into existence. Like it's, yeah. it, it's, it's just mental to me because you don't see the same, you don't see it as much for film. You don't see it as much for TV. Like even game of Thrones, right? Like, yeah, everyone was pissed at that last season. Everyone was pissed. No one talks <laughs> about it now. Gonna, it's amazing how that dropped off the, it's amazing that that dropped off the map weren't it, the Game of Thrones stuff. Right. You're right. And that's, and that's that fan base. That's how they punish them, right? No one talks about it. All those spin-offs, people aren't pumped for those spin-offs now. Neil Druckmann will probably be 80 years old and somebody will still be telling him that Joel wouldn't have done that two-minute scene <laughs> he did in Last of Us 2. I really hope in the TV show that they're making at the moment, because Pedro Pascal's been cast as the dad, I want to barrel look down the camera and go... That's exactly what I'd do. Yeah. <laughs> I'd do it again Just as well. Break all of the walls is absolutely yeah, fine. Yeah, um, exactly. I have to ask you a quick question, AJ, on the on this subject, because yeah. it's not often we get to have something like this on the show, if I'm honest with you. So, you know, A, thanks for coming, because it's, it's really dope, right? Secondly, um, much like Flint just kind of asked a minute ago, like obviously you're in an industry that I, I'll never know about, right? I, I, I'm a lifelong consumer of video games. I spent 
my lunchtime yesterday looking at reviews for Monster Hunter, right? I, I love it when review embargoes are lifted and you can see, you can really take in all the different it's opinions. Hype, it builds the hype, doesn't it? Yeah. It does, it does. You know, it really does. And good, bad, or indifferent, I always find them interesting to read because I always like seeing what the people's different takes are on things. Like, I have a very different take to video games than Flint does, but I don't respect his opinion any less. You know what I mean? And that, I, that's the kind of... That's what I quite like about it. Obviously, one of the guys I like listening to is a guy called Zero, the, the Yahtzee from Zero Punctuation, right? He's a bit of a dodgy character, but it's one of those things. I've listened to him now for like nearly 20 years, I swear. And it's just something I've always done. You know what I mean? Like, he's one that basically eviscerates every game that he comes up against, right? Other reviewers will do something similar. How do you deal with bad reviews how how do you do how what do you do because i've always wondered this when i've read like i remember when i was a kid and i read like reviews of games and it's like oh that got two out of ten that must suck and like as someone who creates games you mentioned a second ago that you've had you look at battletoads four out of ten ten out of ten it's quite that divide it's quite divisive in some circles how do you deal with that so yahtzee did my favorite review of battletoads he said it was um it was the equivalent of having hairy testicles that you dragged along a Velcro carpet. <laughs> and it was my, and I said to Microsoft, if we ever do a boxed version, is there any chance we can have that quote? Um, yeah. Like, so Yarchi, it's not like a badge of honor, though, that one, though. Well, that's what I said. I, I retweeted it, and I was just like, all my career, all I've hoped for is that zero punctuation shit on my life's work. And like, <laughs> I found it brilliant. I was in hysterics, honestly. Um, reviews are hard, man, really hard. So... Battletoads, last time I built in a spreadsheet, we probably had about 160 press reviews, right? Um, I've read next to none of them. So I will scroll down to the score and I'll look at the score and I might see by byproduct summary points. Um, but even like the 10 out of 10 reviews I haven't read. Um, nothing good can come from a review for me, in my opinion, as a developer, because... The people that love my game are probably going to just tell me all the stuff they loved. And the people that hate my game are just going to tell me the stuff I can't do anything about now. So, like, especially on Battletoads, like, if somebody's telling me my game is 10 out of 10 and somebody else is telling me my game's 4 out of 10, like, who am I meant to believe? And how can I take constructive criticism or praise? That's going to actually do anything. Yeah, yeah. That's a really good way of looking at it. I always tell tell my team, like, look, don't. Don't read reviews. Like we had a channel on our Slack. We still got it called ba- uh, Battletoads Press and pu- uh, Press and Public. And anytime I saw a positive score, I'd post a review in there and say, "Look, I've not read it. These guys obviously really liked our score. Give it a read if you want to feel good." Um, nasty comments on the internet are reasonably easy to deflect. Like the team took it hard in twenty eight, uh, twenty nineteen when our first trailer came out and we got like rinsed on the internet. Um, I took it really hard. I spent that whole night and I read no word of like every single Twitter post that had Battletoads in. I read and I stayed up and we was in Los Angeles because we all flew like we flew out there free free and I was a mess. And like I was sitting there at like five o'clock in the morning and I was just like all this work, all this work. And like we've just been ripped to shreds. And then I was like, oh, there's no point me sitting here. So I went into the arena and I sat down and no one's there yet. And so I turned on the game. It's like I, Rocky before the, the fight, you know, when he goes down to the stadium. <laughs> I sat there I sat there in the dark and I turned on the TV and I turned on the console and I played Battletoads, the demo, and I went, damn, this is good. Like, what do they know? A bunch of people that have seen clips of the game on the internet and never played it. And I was suddenly, I just didn't care at that point. I was just like, this is good. And then E3 that year was amazing for us. We, The queue, they, they're hidden us in the corner the queue was so long, they had to print extra signs to point to where we were. And the whole time people were playing it, they were loving it. And I was like, 
a bunch of dudes on the internet were slagging us off, but everyone that's sitting here playing the demo likes it. And I was like, that for me at that point, internet comments lost all their power. And Um, good word travels fast, man. I remember during that E3, I remember texting you at the time saying, oh, the kind of funny guys were were at your booth and they were really complimentary. And I think at the time, I think you were really busy. And you said, oh, that's, that's good to hear. But I know that must have meant something to you because you know that people that actually experience the product are giving an opinion that, and, and that's that, something to actually listen to. And that was it. Like, you know, and there'd be bias, like sitting there in front of devs playing their game at show, there'd be bias, but people were enjoying it. And so internet comments lost their power. Reviews don't ever really lose their power because like I stayed up because our embargo was the same day as release, um, which normally means you're scared of the score. Yeah. Think, <laughs> right. Like, and, in films, anyway, like in so in a, uh, in a I do another podcast. It's a film podcast. I've had it for a number of years. I get invited to film screenings, and there's a thing in the circles which is if you're invited to a press screening the night before release, it tends to be a really bad thing. I don't know if that's the same in games, but definitely in films, that's a bad sign. Yeah, it it's, it it traditionally is like you're scared of the scores, or Microsoft are kind of making it their thing at the moment. Like most of their games, I think their embargoes aren't lifting until day of release. Um, so I didn't know what was happening. I have nothing to do with the release of the game, obviously. Like I've yeah. the game and then I, I work with Rare, but I don't deal with the press side. Um, so I stayed up and the embargo lifted at like three in the morning, I think it was. Um, and like IGN score went up first and it's eight out of 10. So I'm crying. Like IGN's get, at that point I was like, IGN's my favorite website. <laughs> like Previously I've ever said was wrong, like eight out of 10. And then I think, um, it was one of the four out of 10 popped up as the next one I saw. And I was like, four out of 10. And I was like crying for a different reason. And then these reviews are popping up and I just don't know what to do because I'm seeing like eight out of 10, nine out of 10, better than the original. And then I'm seeing like, this is a disgrace. Why did they make this? <laughs> and like, these little comments are popping up on the Metacritic. And I'm like, oh my God, I don't know. I have no idea where this is going to land. I don't know what I'm going to be saying to the team in the morning. I don't know if it's going to be like, yeah, or, oh dear, we're red. Um, you, should, you, should, you should take half of them into one room and be like, champagne, hey guys, we did it. And the other one, like, get out. <laughs> do, you think, do you think some of that is because, like, I, I, I'll be up front, I never played it. Uh, I never played the original, so I had no kind of connection, I'll be honest with you. Um, I don't own an Xbox either, so I don't, I, don't, I don't know. Is it out on any other consoles? Get your Steam code. All right, I've got, go. I've got, I've got a PC, but I have a PC. I can do that. But my question is, is do you think it's because like I've, I've, I read some reviews of it. I watched a couple of let's plays and things like that. It's quite dialogue heavy, right? In terms of a, a certain humor style, um, that's quite a subjective thing. In terms of will you find it funny or not? I find Seinfeld hilarious. I know people that don't find it funny at all, and it's one of those things. Do you think that contributed to the overall score or the the divisiveness? I mean, first of all, most importantly, anyone that doesn't find Seinfeld funny doesn't deserve to watch television. Um, Thank you. Um, yeah, definitely. I think our humour definitely played a big part. I mean, the narrative overall was pretty well received. Um, but, it, you know, it was written by me and my mates who write for Rick and Morty and Cartoon Network. So, it, And it was, you know, we couldn't go R-rated. So it's kind of like, what does a cheeky PG-13 game written by these people feel like? Um so I think that definitely played a big part. You know, we did some toilet humor, the stuff we found funny. Um, the visual style was the biggest thing, right? Like to a lot of people, Battletoads Arcade is their Battletoads and that's gritty. It was heavy metal inspired. It was 
all dark colours, very dreary. Yeah, you guys, you had the music as well, though. Like, it's not that you, you paid homage in the right way, in my opinion. But I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm too biased to be honest. But. Yeah, yeah. Look, Halston absolutely, and no one complained about the music. Everyone loved Dave's soundtrack. Like that was the one universal thing that didn't get any criticism. It was because you know we went for this ridiculous hair metal soundtrack, but. People wanted Battletoads. Some people wanted Battletoads Arcade. And for me, Battletoads is the original. And it was about genre mashup and the big Tex Avery inspired animation. And so when we were looking to do a modern one, like I got my mate, Mike Dietz, who was the guy that was the animation director on Earthworm Jim and Cool Spot to design me the Battletoads. And then my animation director, Eric, was taught by Mike and was cleaning up line work on Earthworm Jim. So we went for this Warner Brothers influence, like 2D animated Saturday you even got You even got like some pretty cool voice actors involved, right? With oh, some pedigree there, man. Oh, I mean, we called in every favour you can imagine. Tom, our lead writer, just called in. So we got, um, obviously, Eric Bowser was rash. And Eric is Bugs Bunny. Bugs. He's Bugs. He's actually Bugs, Daffy, Tweety, a few of them. And he's in Space have Jam. You, have you, when you, when you speak to, when you spoke to him and stuff, like, did you, ha- how, how hard did you try to not fanboy out and just be like, oh, can you just do the voices? Just do the voices. Oh, you don't have to ask him, he doesn't. So we'd be <laughs> We'd be in the booth, and um, next thing I know, Donald Trump would be reading a line, or Bugs would be reading a line. Like, um, Eric, Eric's amazing. I mean, obviously, he's been like splintering turtles as well. Like, so he was incredible, and he working with him was ridiculous because every take we could have just used. And then, obviously, like um, Zitz was um, Ryan Ridley. So Ryan is one of the, was one of the writers and producers on Rick and Morty. You'd know his voice if you heard it in Rick and Morty, but like. Zitz was written for Ryan. So like we knew from day one, like this we want we want Zitz to just be Ryan Ridley if he was a toad. So like it was amazing because like when he was speaking, it was just like completely natural because we'd written this character. And then Pimpo was Echo Kellum, who was obviously in um uh, Arrow. So like his big thing was he was in Arrow. And then yeah, my favorite, my favorite of the whole thing though was our two main villains were um Uto and Pia. Um and they are uh, Drew Drogo and Mike Rose. And Drew and Mike years ago used to be like a, a improv combo. And they've not done work for years. But effectively, like, we threw them in the booth. We gave them some rough lines. And then we just let them go. So I would say that nearly all the dialogue you hear from them in Battletoads is just them making up in the room after getting a little amount of direction. And, like, dope, dope. We, we've got a scene. And this scene's probably a minute and a half in the game. I've got a 27-minute version of that on my hard drive. And the whole time we're just laughing our heads off. Um, so, but you know, it's not for everyone. Not everyone wants to hear a bunch of dudes doing improv comedy laughing at themselves. They don't want to hear like, you know, cheesy lines that we wrote deliberately. A lot of the stuff I wrote in games fourth wall breaking because I'm mad on that. So, like, you know, there's a moment in the game where uh, somebody points out how it's really weird how a character just got there, and then Zitz is like, "Eh, well, you know." maybe God didn't have the time and the budget to make the game he really wanted to make. Like, you know, <laughs> referencing the fact that we didn't have the money, we didn't have the time. So, and that's not for everyone. Like, not everyone wants these stupid jokes. So that was decisive, combined with a Saturday morning cartoon aesthetic. And I think you then add that to the fact that, you know, if you thought Battletoads Arcade was what Battletoads was, Battletoads Arcade was a side-scrolling beat-em-up. And that's pretty much 90% of the game. 1991 Battletoads, no two levels were the same, and that was my influence. So in our game, there's 11 different game genres. And like, that's not like, oh, they're just slightly tweaked. It's literally like you have a fighting level, a platformer, a space level, a bike level, riding on an unconscious diplomat, 
You have a level where you're a masseuse, like 11 different game modes where nothing was shared and we had to build them all from scratch. And so a lot of people who went in and never played a 1991 Battletoads were like, this isn't a Battletoads game. And then our, like, our helpful people on the internet was like, well, you obviously never played a 1991 Battletoads. Um, <laughs> so you add all those things together and it's like, well, the existing fans probably aren't going to get on board with this. And so and most of the- oh, go on, sorry. And with that as well, you've mentioned it a couple of times. The fact of the matter is you're you're revisiting nostalgia. Um, I remember when the Streets of Rage uh, 4 um, kind of concept came out, lots of people hated that design, like in terms of this isn't Streets of Rage. Why is it so clean looking, et cetera, et cetera. And it was really divisive. And whenever you touch, I absolutely adore that game, right? But like, it, whenever you touch anything from the past, as it, 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 people have a fixed idea about what that should look like now. And it's, it's a risk. It really is a risk. But I mean, yeah, dude, find me over a steam, a steam code, mate, and I'll happily, I'll happily crack on. <laughs> if I see you <laughs> tweeting him abuse. <laughs> that's fine, because he knows he'll just, he knows he won't mind. I've already told that's him. That's a very good, that's a very comments good point. don't upset me anymore. <laughs> Man, I've got to say, I admire your thick skinness on this because I think if I was in your boots, I'd be like that, uh, what's that, Jane Silent Bob movie where they literally get the list of everyone ever shit on them on the internet. Um, but dude, you know, absolutely incredible stuff. Um, shout, I, I feel like, I feel like we should give you a big hug and thank you. But before <laughs> we finish, let's, 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 I'm going to bring in producer Moles and just say, what, what should we be doing right now? What was it time for? It's time for the wheel. It is time for the wheel. We have a bunch of topics we're going to talk about. Uh, We have no idea, no prep time. So here we go. Right, so gentlemen, it's very simple, this one. The wheel topic for conversation this week is best boss battles. This is a tough one. So I can see Cog spinning. Whenever I hear boss battles, and Mike, I'm going to steal your thunder for a second because I know you're our souls, man. I'm going to have to go with, I think, whenever I hear boss battles, I think Father Gascoigne on Bloodborne. That man is the hardest thing I've ever faced against. I had to study his movements and tweets and ask for a help off everyone. Eventually, I think, Mike, you basically gave me a real blow-by-blow breakdown of how to break that sucker. Man, I don't know if best is the right way of describing that, but it was the damn hardest boss I've ever faced. Yeah, he was difficult, to be fair. He was difficult. I feel like once you've done him, you, that gives you... It opens the door for you then to basically dominate the rest of the game because um, he's a guy that if you you can if you can get parrying down with him you're 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 pretty good. Um, well, to, to AJ's point earlier, what way I play? I've still not completed Bloodborne, by the way. I'm I'm so close. I think every again I'll go for like a, a thing, but the problem is is that you have to. It's like a it's a you can play a little bit, but you need to master it. Right? You need to get good at parrying and stuff, and I forget that stuff. But the muscle memory seems to disappear. So I'll go like six months a year. It actually, I think next week six years since that game's come out. But I'll be like, right, you know what? I'm going, God damn it, I'm going to try and finish it. And I go and play it and then just go, oh, I'm not good. And this is really hard. So I have to grind my way to a point where I'm basically Superman. And then I can go tackle this boss at a low level then have half a chance of beating them. My initial reaction is obviously just going to be Souls games. Let's be clear about it, right? I've got, I could, I could reel out a bunch of them. Um, I love Streets of Rage. That was my first, if I'm honest, introduction into boss fights because at the end of the level, you get the music. <laughs> and then, you know, I always remember the two dudes on the second level with the claws were just rock solid. Hated fighting oh, those man. guys. Um, you had the armor warrior on level three; he was pretty difficult as well. Um, 
Yeah, very interesting. But no, dude, going back to Souls, uh, Ludwig, um, he, he's my favorite boss fight of all time, just because uh, he, halfway through, obviously, a lot of, lots of Bloodborne and Dark Souls bosses, they have two stages, right? You get them down to one, and then they'll do something, and they'll become even more horrifying. And then oh, even yeah, again, yeah. Uh, yeah, Ludwig, man, you rock his sword for the majority of the game. It's my favorite weapon on the game because you just obliterate everything, everyone with it. And then halfway through, he uh, yeah gets his uh, moonlight uh, moonlight blade out, or whatever it's called. Um, his guiding moonlight. And yeah, nice. it's just uh, it's a cut scene that I absolutely loved. It's one of the things that you look back, and I watch it on YouTube every now and again. Still, um, obviously, Sif. That glorious, poor, poor wolf. The story behind him is just uh, an incredibly sad story. I felt genuine anguish putting him in, in out of his misery, watching him limp around. God, it was heartbreaking. Um, going to Dark Souls, I the Capra Demon for me was a uh, especially kind of a watershed moment because that I don't know if you, if you, if you, you fought the Capra Demon, right? Flint, have you played Dark Souls before? I've not touched Dark Souls. I'm still just. In terms of my souls touching, it's a little bit of Sekiro. That's not really a Souls game, though, is it? It's just made by the same guys. It's freaking hard, though. It's freaking hard. Um, obviously, Bloodborne, that's like my jam in that world. Good. And of of like the, the like games in that realm, not made by them, but I really like Neo and the bosses in that. But I want to move up, move away from those games for a second. Um, do you why? Remember- Can I ask why? <laughs> we should never, ever not talk about it. One last quick thing on that. Yeah, yeah, go for it. Dude, you're right yourself. The first half of Dark Souls is an absolute masterpiece. In Actually, I've design. got the remastered like, on the Switch. I still haven't played so, it. It's so good. Carapod Demon is an interesting one because, you know, like in Bloodborne, all the boss fights, they're usually in a fr- pretty big arena, yeah? So yeah. You've, you've got space to move around. Carapod Demon is basically you're in a broom cupboard and you go through the fog and two dogs jump at you and then he's there behind them, and you have to dispatch two dogs. The camera is jank as you like, bruv. It doesn't do anything that you want it oh, to do. Oh, man. And sounds like... you basically have to cheese your way around it, and you can get done it from range, like just for, just from just, re- just the luck of not being able to do it. Um, proper litmus test on that, on that game, dude. It's fun. So I've got it actually on the Switch. Uh, I bought it in the sale like ages ago. Actually, while we're talking about Switch... You'll, you'll get to Ornstein and, and Smell, Smog, however you want to call it, and then you will give up. Fair enough. Well, <laughs> I'll give it a go in the next couple of weeks and report back on that. But speaking of Switch games, I re- I know it's not originally on the Switch. I think it started out on Games Pass, actually. But the bosses on Cuphead, they are so iconic. And especially King Die. And maybe I think it's just the music. Ah, Mr. King, ah! right? And I end up singing that on my way into work. And I'm now at work. And I'm trying to look like a respectful workman. But every now and again, I was going, I'm the devil's right hand man. I, oh, man, I absolutely adored those bosses. AJ, when you're designing your games, do you think about bosses? Have you ever, like, sit there and go, oh, yeah, what boss, do I, what influence do you look for? Do you not look for that when you're designing that sort of stuff? I mean, I literally had a conversation today where it was about bosses on our current project, and I, you're not going to like me for this. The thing I always say is boss fights are the worst bit of every game. Like, for me, boss fights are my least favourite bit of any game. I just, I, I can't stand boss fights because they're often a reinforcement of the mechanics you've been having to do in a slightly different way and they're formulaic and I just don't like them which makes making them really hard um you know my favorite boss fight if I had to pick one Psycho Mantis just yes that was on my last the next one I was gonna say right Psycho Mantis just freaked me out as a kid um 
and the whole PlayStation memory card thing, like it would read. How innovative is that, man? I mean, that's insane, right? Like the fact you'd be like, oh, so you like football? And like, how do you know that, Psycho Man? <laughs> it's like you've known me all my life. And what, you know, you could never get away with it today, obviously, but what an in- an ingenious way that you had to beat him. Like, you're like, he's, he's getting all those clues. And you're like, what's he mean? What's he mean? And then you suddenly click and you're like, oh my God, I need to be player two. And like, you take the control and like, just just so so good like i mean peak kojima right like yeah oh okay what's more peak kojima that boss fight or i can't remember what it was called in metal gear solid 3 you had to fight a sniper who was really old was it the wolf is that his name no it wasn't the wolf i can't remember what it's called now it's gonna kill me producer moles could you let us know but the the boss was like this old old man and you could either have a sniper fight with him or you could just wait for him to die because he was old and he would die of old age. Yeah, it kept game time, didn't it? So you could leave it and come back to it after a certain period of time, and then he would dead. <laughs> like once again. Could, I mean, let's be honest. Pete Kojima's the start of Metal Gear Solid Four. Like, oh, forty it, minutes of cutscenes. Big ass cutscene gameplay. Cool under this truck just triggers another big ass cutscene. Like, <laughs> yes, Kojima. Like, ah, oh, you son of a bitch. Take my money. <laughs> uh, special mention from me, Brock Lesnar on Here Comes the Pain. <laughs> uh, he was an absolute monster. Yeah. yeah. Ah, he was called the end. Thank you, producer Moles. That was it. He was the end. Brilliant. I mean, that was, that was brilliant. Um, but yeah, I don't like boss fights. I just don't like them. I know it's me and I know people love them and his entire game's made out of them. Um, uh, I, they're I the hardest thing to design for me as well. Like, I, like I don't, I'm not really a level designer. I'm a systems designer. Like if I had to be put into a design box, I do like narrative systems, high level direction. Um, I just can't do good boss fights. The boss fights on Battletoads were an absolute nightmare to make. We went through... I spent probably more money on boss fights and scrapping them and redoing them than I did anything else on Battletoads because they're just so hard to get. And the problem is as well, is like once you've made them, you realise that if somebody's speedrunning it, boss fights are like a minute and a half. Like Most people just burn through a boss fight in like a minute and a half if they know what they're doing. And you yeah. spend months of your life trying to figure out the best way to do it how to make it is the most challenging possible i mean for me i i don't sit there and go oh i can't wait for the boss fight i'm i'm a i don't know maybe it's like a psychological thing but it's the reward for me so it's like a i enjoy looking for those boss fights because i have either read a guide or i've seen something on the internet or someone has told me that if you beat this boss or do this thing in a particular way you will inherit something that's going to make your experience better going forward but also what I, I love in a kind of sadomasochistic way is those kind of trolling bosses, those bosses which don't actually progress the story. They're optional bosses. So, Molesy, I'm going to bring you in on this one because I know you're going you're gonna, to you're smile at this one. The ultimate weapons in the Final Fantasy games, they're literally the hardest things in creation. Like, you've spent hours building up your character to the point where you can take this on using that Knights of the Round summon a billion times, hoping to, to take them down. And what do you get? Some material that makes you stronger, but the truth is, you've just beaten the toughest thing in the game anyway. So, do you even need it? <laughs> it's not as bad as the I think it was Final Fantasy X with the Dark Aeons. Oh, the Dark Aeons. Oh my like, god! I think I beat one or two, and that was it. And there was like twenty of the f- things. It's like, yes, I've got like ten billion health. It's like well, great. I've got like a, you know ten thousand. This is a fair <laughs> game, isn't it? And, and what's the reward for it? You can just say you've beaten the Dark Aeon. Like, you don't get to keep the Dark Aeon. You can't use it as something else. Oh, man. man. I think, to be honest, I think, just on that one, like, yeah, yeah. The, the, one of the reasons why 
I the boss fights I've always hated, much like AJ said, the formulaic ones, where it's like, oh, there's his tell. He's now going to charge towards me. I now have to dodge so he hits the wall, and now he's stunned, and now I can do a thing. Like, I find them dull, dull as dishwater. Um, I find the like every Mario game has those types of boss fights, and it's just like they're really easy. I'm barely paying attention to them. I find them dull. It's the one reason. It's the one reason I like the Souls games because they're. They're really fast-paced. The tells aren't as obvious. Um, they're unpredictable, and they're that they get me. They get me going. They get me excited. I get scared playing them. Like I'll be times when like I'll have a couple of goes. I'm like, I'm gonna leave that until I'm gonna leave it a week. Like yeah. I, I'm not ready to do that. It's those right those now. moments, like you say, it's like you'll spend like hours. It's especially on those sort of games where you're like, I just can't beat this goddamn thing. Why can't I goddamn beat? And then literally, like a, a week later, you always pick it up in first time. Bang. Dude, Job honestly, done. the worst one for that was the the final boss in Bloodborne, uh, the old Hunter. Right, I I decided I wanted to get all three uh, trophies, so you get the three different endings. Right, I had to mm. beat this dude like three times in a row, and I had to like beat him once, then get the trophy, l- load up an old save from a memory card, like. Uh, or like you know roll it back so then my save was there because it would automatically save it beat him again to get another trophy do the same thing and beat him again to get ah dude it was miserable absolutely miserable it took me an entire evening to do i was incredibly stressed more sweat came out of me that night than i think any other night in my existence it was horrendous (laughs) oh man i want to give an honorable mention and i don't know if this is considered a spoiler so if you want to know any if you don't want to know any potential spoilers for astro's playroom then, then skip forward one minute, but I don't think I'm in danger here. Um, when you com- when you collect all the artifacts that you collect in Astro's Playroom, because it's meant to be just a demo to show you the Dual Sense controller, but there is one little piece of nostalgia at the end. When you collect those things, you have to fight a boss. And this boss, does anyone remember Demo 1 on the PlayStation 1? And you used to get the ability, and all it was was that T-Rex. Remember that boop? Is it the T Rex? It's a boss, as that that that's the boss, right? You fight against, and it's in the exact same style. It, the, the the aspect ratio goes down. It kind of looks like Zack Snyder's Justice League for a second, where the aspect ratio squeezes down, and you have to fight this boss. And I'm like, oh my god! And I had a little tear in my eye, and my wife walked past me and said, Are "You crying at a video game again?" I went, "It's the dinosaur from when I was younger." You don't understand, but um, like that sort of stuff is like. Do, do the that's, graphics that's the look? Do the graphics look as photorealistic as it did when I was a kid? I, I mean, in I your mind's eye, in your mind's eye, that was like you were looking at. I remember when we had that because I didn't have any games. My dad just wrote, comes go demo one. That's the game, minute boy. And I'd be like, it's just a demo, dad. But all right, fair enough, thank you. Um, and my whole family were around. So I think it was a birthday. I got it, and it was literally like the fucking moon landing for my family. Right, everyone was gathered around that TV, and I was like, they're like, what is it? What's well, a games console? Isn't it? It's got a CD and it's all those 3D graphics. And look, that's the game. It's a dinosaur. What do you do? Well, you move the camera around it, and if you press a button, its jaw goes ah. But like we were like, this is, this is like amazing. We just all gathered round that, and you had those feelings of like all that stuff. Then all of a sudden, I was a little kid, and it was nineteen ninety five or whatever it was around a, an old booming TV again. Um, but just what an experience and i was like this is only meant to be a demo for a controller <laughs> maybe it's getting an older thing but um aj i have to ask you is there any like when you say like is there any times you've actually enjoyed a boss battle or is there anything that springs to mind no <laughs> I mean, no 
Psychomantis. Psychomantis is probably... Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've you, you topped it there. Psychomantis. All, all the Metal Gear 1 bosses are pretty good, like, in terms of, like, I didn't hate them. Like, but, yeah, honestly, I just I just can't... I just do not like boss fights. You know, Mario, they're fine, because kind of like what Mike's kind of commented on, they're just the Miyamoto way of the game design, right? They're just mechanics you've done previously elsewhere that you just do a cu- three times in a row to beat a boss. Um, but, yeah, there's no... There's no boss fights I will herald. You know, I always, I'm still resentful that Metal Gear Rising, I never finished because I got to the last part of the last boss and it was so hard, I just stopped. And I put so many hours into that game and I never went back because I was just like... That is an underrated game though, isn't it? So good. Such a good game. Like, but, I'm, but so, I'm so gutted. They never got, like, it never really got much more life other than that. I know it's, it went through development hell and then it got renamed, was it Revengeance or something? But I loved it. And yes, like, I, I'm a bit of a, I'm a story nerd for this sort of stuff, right? Anything that continues on Raiden's story a little bit was fascinating to me. And the gameplay is pretty dope as, and it's just a shame that it never really, I mean, I'm sure there'll be like a little group of people that will keep hounding Konami. But at the moment, Konami aren't making anything right now. So I suppose it's going to be a long time before we see any of that sort of stuff touch again. But I'm going to bring in producer Moles to wrap it off. Mr. Moles, any bosses that you can bring to the party that we haven't really discussed about? The one the one that springs to my mind was the first time I beat the end boss in Final Fantasy VIII. Uh, Ultimecia. Oh, uh, Eda? Was it Eda evolved? I can't remember uh, that. Yeah, I think, I think, yeah, it was like four bloody stages of hell. And I think I was, I think the end boss battle was like an hour long. And you think you beat it, it's like, yeah, I've beaten it. And like, all my resources have gone. But I made it through and I've got one character alive and you've got four health points left. And then she morphs into something else. You're like, oh, for f***'s sake, here we go again. And then you spend another half an hour trying to beat the shit out of this another weird thing. And then she does it again. And it's just, when you finally beat it and you've like, you're sweating buckets, that's it. It's like, oh, I'm never playing that game again. Done. I'm never getting this done. But then it's such a good game that you end up playing it again until you get to that end kind of castle and you think, oh, God, this is where it goes to hell. Here we go. I remember <laughs> all this. It's, yeah, I those... Final Fantasy... Sorry, I bought Final Fantasy VIII on the Switch recently because that always seems to be on sale, the Final Fantasy games. And without an internet guide or without like, cause I remember I was like, we, we talked about this in the past. I love buying the books for games, especially when I was a kid and the final fantasy ones were the best because you got artwork in there. You got lots of tidbits about the game itself and all that good stuff. And I remember buying that book when I bought final fantasy eight. So whenever I got stuck, I'll just consult the book. That game, doesn't help you at all there is no like unless you remember one piece of dialogue from a guy in a bar saying hey you've got to get in a car and drive around the other side and watch out for those random battles because after that 45 minute journey around you've got to go to another bar and speak to another guy to trigger a little bit of dialogue that's going to give you the piece of information and the map doesn't even update and show you where you got to go like how did anyone complete that game <laughs> i mean that's what games were though right like i think yeah. we're so used to now the tutorial stuff that we forget that we didn't have that like my favourite game is Day of the Tentacle, an old point and click by LucasArts. That game played a cutscene, and then you were just some nerdy dude in the lobby of a hotel, and that was it. And then you just had to figure it out. Like, games never used to tell us what to do. Like, it's... Thoughts on Disco Elysium? Oh, yeah, I think it's brilliant. I think it's brilliant. It's I coming mean, out, I'm, boys, on the... I think it's yeah, the 30th, I was about to say, right? I'm waiting for it to come on, on, uh, on PSN, and then yeah, it's, it's, it'll be definitely... I mean, I've... It's one of those games, don't get me wrong. 
there are certain games out there that when certain publications keep banging on about it, I don't want to play it. Like <laughs> IGN, I get it. You like Overwatch. I'm not going to play it because you guys keep talking about it. And Disco Elysium kind of, that and Concrete Genie, they both felt like it was the, oh, this is the, the game the critics really like. You know, people don't really play this one, but this is really good. And I was just like, oh, you know what, for that. And I know that's on me, not on the game itself. I'm sure the game's absolutely brilliant. But um, that's why I was just like, oh, I don't want to go near it. But I will do. I know you you keep saying how good it is. The the fact that it has been banned in Australia sold it already to me. <laughs> <laughs> Moles picks his games like how he would want to get a firearm. <laughs> yeah, on, uh, so one of the things I loved about Disco Elysium is that uh, yeah, the first five minutes of playing it, I, I died because I tried to retrieve my trousers from a fan in my room and something catastrophic happened. Well, I believe my drunken, stupid state collided with the fan or I electrocuted myself somehow. And it just said, like, you are dead. And I was like, oh, what? And it, <laughs> and it kind of reminded me of those old school games I used to play on my dad's Amiga when it was like, you know, the old classic. Like Zork Grand Inquisitor is a great example of this. I was replaying that recently and I randomly died because I tried to use sword on bees. And it was like, oh, that was a terrible idea. And I kind of You're remember, like and I just like, and then I realized I haven't saved it. Oh, I just lost the last 40 minutes of playtime. Cool. And that's like <laughs> one of those things where I, I kind of almost missed that kind of level of brutality, you know? Yeah. Ah, oh, there we go. Well, I think that's a level of brutality to wrap the pod on. If you have any great boss battles that you want to share, with us get in contact with us on Twitter at GreyFoxPlays. But let's round it off. First of all, I would like to thank our guest, our, our headliner for this pod, Mr. AJ Grand Scrasm, aka Dinos. Thank you so much, pal. How can people find you? Thank you very much for having me. Um, yeah, on Twitter, it's just at Dinost, D-N-O-S-T, and obviously the company's at Delala Studios. And, and, and your next game you're working on is? It's... Ah, <laughs> oh, nearly going up. Uh, and anyway, to my soul's man, Mr. Michael Garnett, was okay, my goodness. Thanks again, buddy. Happy to find you. Uh, yeah, just find me playing video games, I guess. You'll, be, you'll, find me on, <laughs> you'll find me on Destiny over the course of the next week or so. That's where you'll find me. Nice. I'm setting up a Discord for us, actually, and I'll start putting uh, information about that in the near future. But I'd like to thank our man in the chair, Jonathan Moles, producer Moles. Thank you once again, sir. Yeah, thanks. Been a, it's been a good evening, boys. Thank you very much. I'm going to go away and find games that question my morality whilst listening to happy music. Wear a mask. If you have an appointment, make sure you go to it. Keep your distance. Be kind. Till next time. <laughs>